0: Yo, J-Dubs? Yeah, I'm here. Yo.
1: Hi, everyone. So, we are live. So,
0: let me do the intro, which goes, welcome to the Get Your Some Productions podcast. This is episode 42. Um, This is a podcast covering all things related to music production, from the first note to the last fan, and everything in between. We create music. Our, our motto, I should say, is to create music constantly and inspire others to do the same. So uh, if, you, if you want to, um, and what we would suggest is don't even listen to this podcast right now. Stop, press pause, go play your instrument, go write a line of a song, go jam, for, go warm up. Just, just take your instrument out of the case. And get ready to play. uh, And then you can come back to the podcast later. Um, We also, uh, so my name's Keith, and my guest is
1: uh, Justin Wertz.
0: Hello, Justin. And Justin's a regular guest. Uh, He's been on the podcast a bunch of times uh, discussing this particular book that we're about to discuss, plus we talked songwriting one time which we'll we'll probably be doing many times in the future. Yep, you got it. You bet. Um, So today we're going to be discussing this book, Unlocking Creativity, by Michael Beinhorn. The subtitle is A Producer's Guide to Making Music and Art. We are going through this book basically chapter by chapter on this podcast. The first episode we discussed the book, It was episode 36, and my my co-host, Dan, who's not on this particular episode, and I have also been discussing this book. So we're deep diving into this book. Uh, If you want to read along with us and you want to support the podcast, you can go into the show notes and click the link and buy the book through our affiliate link, Um, and then we get paid a small commission on that. So please feel free to do that if you wish to support the show. Um, if not, no worries. And um, so, Unlocking Creativity, A Producer's Guide to Making Music and Art by Michael Beinhorn. Uh, we're talking about Chapter 2. So, Homie, anything you wanted to go into uh, at
1: first, or do you want to just do what we usually do? Yeah, sure, Homie. I can, uh, <laughs> I can uh, if you want, yeah, I could start it off. I mean, Chapter 2, he just, you know... Basically, he gave an overview of chapter one of what his, uh, you know, from a, an aerial view, what his uh, process is. Mm-hmm. So he kicks off this chapter kind of like, you know, he just kind of explains in the last chapter what a producer really is, and then he even starts this chapter on this, um, this note. And I, I think it's some. I think this quote may sum it up. Nothing like he's basically talking about like, it's it's appalling that some producers you know, they come in, they get into the studio to to produce a, an act and they've, like, this is the first meeting, this is the first time they're hearing the music as if, you know, now they've got golden ears or something, you know? Mhm uh-huh. so, There's nothing great has ever come from anyone passively sitting back and making neither a conscious effort nor contribution to what they were supposed to be doing. You know, so, like, I guess he's. there must be, in the industry as far as what he's seen, a lot of people that just show up and they're like the yes man. It's like, yeah, that's great. You know, like not actually weighing in on anything or having any sort of vision for the final product.
0: uh uh-huh. Well,
1: I, I think I'll, I'll – I actually –
0: I was going to highlight that, but then I didn't, so I'm mm-hmm. glad you brought it up. Um, but I'll even – I'll I'll sort of piggyback on that because I think that might be a problem with the industry in that. <clears throat> I think the music industry is a music is an industry where um where there's sort of like this ephemeral aspect to it where you don't know if something's going to be a hit or not. So there's sort of like a lot of um there's an unknown aspect to it and a sort of riskiness that comes with it. And so the reality is record companies make good money doing, doing the business. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the way it feels in the moment is that it's risky and therefore <clears throat> there's not enough money to go around, to go to, to, um, to spend on, all the different resources that an artist might need. So I think a lot of times producers get into the studio and the producer is like the person who maybe lined up the the, the recording studio or selected the engineer or the the producer served as sort of like an A&R type of person who just found the artist, but it goes no further than that. And I think it's one of the things that I'm sort of reading between the lines is that the producer gets to the studio and doesn't produce the, help produce the record ultimately because maybe that wasn't even their job, or maybe their job is misunderstood. And he's highlighted that many times before. The producer, like his version of a producer, is like a super person, you know, in <laughs> many ways. But it's like, but it begs for that, right? And even when I was talking to Dan about this, Dan was like, think of all the times we were in the studio, he and I right? And how many times, and actually, and one of the, one of the times was in your studio, right? Mm -hmm. And Dan was like, in some respects, you, meaning me, I acted as the producer, but I didn't know anything, right? Even despite having made a few records before this, I didn't really know any of this stuff. So I was ill-equipped, right?
1: I I don't know. I, I disagree. I mean, I agree with, yes, you were the producer, but I disagree with the statement that you didn't know anything. I mean, you did know what, uh, you know, you did have the vision. Um, right. I mean, it would have been really cool to have someone with an even wider scope right, and, or experience to, right. to guide it. But, um, you know, with that said, I wonder how much, you know, I wonder how much... Uh, like this guy would have even done for that record. I wonder. Yeah. <clears throat> well,
0: that actually brings up that actually brings up something that comes up later in the chapter, but I, I don't want to get to that yet. Okay. Do you want to keep going?
1: Yeah, sure. I underlined a bunch of stuff. Um so basically he's he goes on to say like if you're going to produce an album, you are you're committing uh yourself. Yeah. You know, you you're you're making an investment. All right? Um
0: I, I just want to stop you for one second. I just want to say the na- the title of this chapter is prep work. Yeah. And so much of this, much of what he writes actually in here is about the type of prep, type of preparation that comes before, um, and it's not before recording. It's like this is before even engaging in art. It, this is like the initial engagement with an artist. Yeah. Right? He talks about, uh, listening to the songs deeply, getting to know the artist very deeply, getting the songs like he writes, he listens to the songs to a point where they become part of his DNA. And he and he even goes on to, to say that he develops a proprietary atti- toward, attitude mm-hmm. toward his toward the so music he's working on. Right. Yeah. So he, this guy does like deep you know, from what I can tell, deep prep work. Yeah, like, you Um, know,
1: at the end of the chapter, he gives his interview questions, which we should do. mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I think that's the thing. It's like before you get in bed with this, you know, before you take this on, like, know that you're making a commitment. You're making a personal investment. Like, you're investing yourself into their music, and and you do have to, like, dive in. That music will become part of you. And you will somehow become part of it in turn, I guess. But um, you know, and if you're not prepared to uh, to do that with this artist and this material, then it's not a good fit. I agree. <clears throat> so I'll I'll I'll
0: I'll like what what came to mind from what you just said is that I think a lot of what this book is about is elevating the role. Like he has this, this guy has a vision. Michael Beinhorn has a vision of what a producer should be doing mm-hmm. and he really does a lot to outline what the role um, should be and he in many ways in my opinion he elevates it to such a higher level that's like very aspirational <clears throat> which I think is really cool. Um, do you want to read another quote?
1: Yeah and then I mean he just goes on I think uh, you know I guess what gets me about this is I often say stuff um, like, okay, I'm going to look to see what the artist needs and how to make the artist stronger. And I, I, I wish that, like, he would go into more detail because sometimes, like, you know, like, I'll have a song and I'll be like, oh, something doesn't feel right. But I don't know, yeah. you know, it's like, um, I, I wish he would share. Maybe he does later on in the book. I wish he would share some of his uh, tips and tricks, you know. um like you know he goes on to say oh a piece of music doesn't feel right um, you have to like go in and try to develop a deeper understanding of it and figure out is it is it a lyric thing is it a song structure thing is it this or it's that and it's like I don't know it's not like uh, such an exact science you know and uh, uh, it's depending on so many things to figure out what's wrong and what's right or uh, I guess really uh, you know what I guess we're not talking about wrong Right, he's saying if, if a piece of music doesn't sit right, if it doesn't feel right, like what are some things that you can do with it, with that switch to get it to
0: flow? Yeah, I um, I agree. I actually I underlined that as well, and it did feel nebulous to me that you know it's like for me, I I, I underlined it, and I also and I agree with you that he doesn't at least in chapter two, he doesn't outline the ways. Um, he doesn't outline a strategy or a list of things that could be wrong you know that explicitly he does list a few things but but to me, it was sort of like i feel like i i I thought about it for a minute and then I thought you know I should use this this opportunity on the podcast to to uh, to confess that. I feel like I've been going on my gut the whole time, <laughs> you know. Like <laughs> I've been making music since I was like a teenager, and I'm 43. Ed, like reading this line makes me makes me, um, you know, makes me it forces me to like come to terms with the fact that I probably have just been going sort of unconsciously this whole time. Yeah. In a sense, yeah. Yeah. And That's now actually guilt. late <laughs> you're guilty. Later on in the chapter he actually talks about the, the unconscious the role I know, of the I unconscious. Of too. <laughs> yeah. So I I kind of like feel like maybe we shouldn't be so hard on each on ourselves, but maybe it wouldn't hurt to have a strategy cuz like you and I were working on our music just the other day. Mm-hmm. And I think like like we were working on one of your songs and something didn't feel right to me. Mm-hmm. and I sat there, and I thought about it for a while, and then I realized what didn't feel right to me, and then I told you, mm-hmm. but but it was sort of, like, I think, like, you know, there's an opportunity there to maybe write that down and make it more formal, like, think about the different, um, the different things, like, I think, for me, it was just that, your emotional content didn't match the chord progression the chord progression was almost too happy yeah and and it didn't it didn't go for me it didn't go deep enough yeah and so that's what we came up with but maybe just on the surface of it it's like maybe it was just like these the, these are the points that you have to analyze like are the lyrics being sung too fast or too slow does the chord um are there too many lyrics too many too few lyrics is the melody like Highlighting the emotional content is: do the chords match the emotional content? You know, stuff like that. Yeah. Like there could be a list, actually. And believe it or not, I actually have a free lesson on my website, Get You Some Guitar. It's called Systematic Creativity. Oh yeah. I there loaded is. it recently. I hope I made it live because I hope I'm not lying to you and the audience. But Well get it up just, real
1: quick if it's not up there.
0: Yeah, it's just a list of
1: things like that. And yeah. It's free. Uh well, that's pretty cool. I'd love to check that out. um yeah, it would be good to have kind of like a punch list or I don't know, I guess also like I mean, it's just sort of funny too, because uh we're like confessing about going by our gut um and yeah, like any it's actually interesting, I guess you could be like a producer savant, and just if you're working with the right person, you can just be like, no, it's not right. And you know the artists themselves could just drive themselves crazy and try a bunch of different things until that, you know, savant producer is like, "Yeah, now you got it," and it could be just the perfect process, you know, with uh-huh. um,
0: So, yeah. <clears throat> can I can I read one more quick quote? Uh, yes, I. So I underlined this thing that said, by combining your feeling for the artist's body of work with your personal aesthetics, you can establish a baseline for what you consider be, to be the best and worst ideas she has presented. And they serve as a general point of reference. I'm sort of paraphrasing, paraphrasing a little bit. A general point of reference. And then from there, you can help the artist maintain everything he or she does at, at that baseline or attempt so to it surpass. surpass it yeah and i I actually just thought one interesting thing about that was that when w- during your during your prep work you're doing some really as a producer you're doing some really deep listening to what the artist is producing, mm-hmm. and one of the items that you're going to decide is what is the best that the artist has produced and what is the worst that the artist has produced and and I think you're sort of trying to gauge like. What is this? You're trying to like come it's like you're trying to like be as explicit and realistic about what is the best thing this artist is capable of and can we bring everything up to that level? And can we surpass it? You know, but but it's sort of like helping the artist do the best they can, which is not necess- doesn't necessarily mean like the artist is going to produce like a um a hit record or a or a masterpiece, you know mm. it's just like being it's almost like there's a there's an element of realism injected there, like let's say realistically, what is the best thing this person has produced, and can we elevate everything to that level
1: yeah, right at the very least a little bit on the yeah. first podcast about yeah. this book, we kind of were like, you could only push the artist to that point where the artist is. You know, truthfully, able to be pushed. You know,
0: like yeah.
1: what's their limit? What's the best thing? And like, you know, if you can get there, how much further can can you go? Yeah. In the frame, in the time frame. Yeah. You know?
0: so, so, did you have anything else to talk uh, about before the, we do the questions?
1: Uh. Um, hmm. Uh. Oh yeah, I did. Uh, one thing. Just because this is a podcast about creativity, I think this is this goes for really any of the arts but uh and especially I guess while you're working um, intensely uh, on a project like you know like you would uh, when you team up with an artist like this guy talks about um, mm-hmm. keeping yourself open to all mm, like stimulating experiences, exposure, like constantly be taking in inspiration. And staying open, don't let yourself get shoved in a box. You know, like, I think just um, variance being the key to happiness, you know? I think it's important Uh to uh, just, uh, he goes, he's got a quote about it on, like, page 26. Um, He says he can't overstress how vitally important it is to the imagination to be allowed to run wild and expand. And then... Lastly, he just goes, people may insist that creativity is a conscious act, but it's the unconscious that is truly a bottomless wellspring to mine for greatness. Now, yeah, I think, you know, like, I've never been the type of person to sit down and really do exercises to write every day. Although, you know, when I was in music school and we used to, you know, study certain composers, um... Who was it? It was a Broadway guy. Uh, maybe he was Irving Berlin.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Half like uh I don't know, some sort of like half hour, forty five minute block blocked out every day. Every evening. He had to supper, you know, he did his thing all day with his work, he's a composer. He had his supper and then he has writing session, you know, every night. And uh I just I've been doing this, um uh, I hope to do this in a book club, but I've been doing all of these lyric, I've been reading all these lyric writing books, and I've already started doing this one uh, exercise. Mm-hmm. So it's for a 14-day stint. Actually, I guess there's some duplicity here because now that the weather in Brooklyn is uh, cooling a little bit, I've also been uh, running again every day. And mm. I really, you know, I have a habit of like, okay, haven't ran for a while, but let me go run like, a, try to run like a ridiculously... Uh, amount of miles right now and then do I do it again the next day? No, because I could barely walk the next day, right? I'm in pain. Mm-hmm. So I think that uh, it's really important, you know, when you're working on this stuff or doing anything creative to uh, find some sort of a routine where you can be uh, waking that side of you up uh, and do like a goal, whether it's like, okay, I'm going to do a couple minutes in the morning, a couple minutes in the afternoon, a couple minutes at night, or whatever it is that's, like, reasonable, but just something that you can do every day to keep the muscles warm and the creativity flowing. I just, uh, I can't, I would also, I agree with this guy, I really can't stress that practice enough. It's, like, really uh, can give you, it's just, like, sets you up to birth creativity.
0: Absolutely. and I, i'll um, I think it you know I'll just um add something to it that i I, do, I totally agree it is like exercising a muscle, um, and I think that one of the things that I, a lot of artists get um, <clears throat> get uh, get down on themselves about is just lack of progress, and I always and I, one thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately is just to put everything in perspective. A lot of people say that there's, there's this common um, phrase where you say, just get 1% better every day. Um, and I, since, because I actually am a professional investor <clears throat> for my day job, when I think about somebody saying 1% a day, and I think to most artists, because it is sort of abstract to say, oh, maybe I could get 1% better every day. I would actually say that 1% better every day is a, is sort of like a physical impossibility of something to keep up. Because if you think about that, it's actually 365% better every year. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. And that's like completely out of line with reality, right? If you could do 1% better every month, that would be more realistic for something that you could keep up for the rest of your life. So, so don't go create, don't get too down on yourself.
1: Yeah. I, I I agree. I (laughs) hate, I hate that percentage The 1%. I don't care what it is because sometimes you sit down to do it and it's just,
0: uh, I mean, you
1: listen, if you're dedicating yourself to a practice like that, you are an artist. Like you just, this is part of what you do to keep yourself, um, maintains and like you know what i mean like you you have to do something like you have to create just the way you have to breathe and mm-hmm. uh, you know i i think some days like i i'm only on like day two of this 14 day thing and the first day was kind of like oh like what like i was almost like stressed like you know like wait uh i'm gonna write this and then hopefully like tomorrow i'll write more or i'll get deeper with the thoughts or like i make sure that I, you know, and I was, like, thinking about the progress, and I was, like, well, damn, what about, like, enjoying what you're actually doing and, like, giving yourself some validation for, like, you know, know, it's not, like, there's already something there. Like, some days you don't get better. Some days you can just bask in in what you got, too, you know? Mm -hmm. I think, uh, yeah, like, really trying to take it easy, Um, you know, because some days... I don't know. You know, it could have to do with the weather, or like how much sunshine there is, or how cold it is, or how hot it is outside. So, yeah, I don't. I don't really like the idea of uh, measuring in such definitive terms as like a percentage. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's. You know, you may do it for a year, and like I, I people say all this all all, all the time. Like, uh, especially in professions like acting, it's like nothing works, nothing works, nothing works for years, and then all of a sudden you get the break and you know,
0: you're good. Yeah, but
1: it it feels like that, but that's probably not the
0: actual reality is you did get slightly better every time maybe, but it's hard to even tell.
1: It's just not good to, I don't know, I just don't know if it's a healthy thing to get so caught up in it, like, you know, yeah, yeah, so, you know, for anyone who's, uh, you know, I think anyone who does have those sort of uh, hangups can just throw that out
0: you know, yeah, I agree. So I think, um, you know, I we're at twenty six minutes. I I have a I have a little bit of a suggestion. Uh huh. Do you want to cut this one short? Uh huh. Just jump right back on the line and do the questions in a separate podcast. Sure. Let's do that because. I think that um you know people's I think that people's capacity to listen to these things also is, can be limited at times. Yeah. And I think also um you know as a person who's producing content I would rather have two th- 30 minute episodes than one 1 hour episode. Okay, that's fine. Are are you cool with that? I mean, yeah, why not? Great. So um so once again, thank you for um, listening to the episode, please like and subscribe, all that junk, share it with anyone you think is interested buy the, go go into the show notes, click the link buy the book if you want to support the podcast um, Justin has a record on Bandcamp Blank Baby, which we'll link to again um, and do you, oh, you know what, do you want to plug your um, Dirty Dude? Oh
1: um, Can't hurt. Sure, why not? You know, I also have this uh this company and I guess this even goes back to, you know, when you're uh setting yourself up to do these practices and you're like care enough to read a book like we're reading, uh, you know, I, I also have all these other creative outlets and one of my major ones is uh I've always had an obsession with fragrance. So, um over the years I just started this uh you know, it started with just like essential oil blends and or easy products like beard oils, but I have a company that does uh, apothecary and home goods like uh, candles and stuff like that. And uh, it's called Dirty Dude Apothecary. So you can go to dirtydudeapothecary.com and and check it out.
0: I want to just confess something again today. (laughs) Uh, I've been having kind of a hard week. Mm -hmm. Um, And I went to bed one night just feeling like, uh, you know, just feeling like a little bit, uh, I don't know, for lack of a more specific term, just depressed, I guess, and disillusioned. And I was at that moment, and this just popped into my head randomly, I was wishing that I had that sniffer that you made me. I don't know what to refer to it as, but it's like a little, uh, you know, it's a little thing that
1: had like stick, yeah, I guess. What's it like called? I was thinking more, or another one, or a different one. What's it called again? Uh, I think they're called – I think we, in the aromatherapy world, we usually call them uh, a smell stick or a scent stick or a stiffy, <laughs> I don't know. A yeah. Stick.
0: So basically what this thing is, is is um it's a little –
1: Um, It's basically – it's, um you know, if you've ever gone and got, like, sometimes uh, the same, maybe, like, uh, the same company that would make, like, a, a lip balm would make one, and it's, like, uh, if your nose gets stuffed up, they have, like, uh, you know, the isolate of, um, you know, what makes something smell like uh, eucalyptus and peppermint. Uh, it's, like, just in there, and it, it clears your sinuses, but in the aromatherapy world, it's basically, like, we make our blend, and we dip it in a this really dense piece of kind, and it goes in this. Plastic tube with these little, uh, you know, it's almost like pepper shaker holes at the top, and um, yeah, they're great. You know, they they uh, last a super long time, and and uh, that's right. I, I remember when I was doing my uh, what do you call them? The um, the clinics for my aromatherapy certification. That you actually were one of the people that I did uh, did a clinic with. So I made you a uh, I made that for you. But you don't have you it. made any me a little sniffer. Yeah,
0: I, I, I actually, I may still have it. If I if I had to guess, it's probably at the bottom of my underwear drawer, which is where I was keeping it for a while. Um, well, it was in my say, night that table. Kind
1: of, that was quite a while ago, and I'm sure it has some scent. But it's probably time for us to, uh, you know, do another intake and have another uh, have another powwow and and get something else made for you. Cool.
0: Yeah, I was uh, yeah I was having this I was having like this feeling where I just wanted to curl up into the fetal position. And for some reason, I just felt like sniffing on that thing would have been helpful.
1: <laughs> I mean, so yeah. you're preaching the choir. I, I do any I'm feeling too neutral or uninspired, or you know, I, I always go to uh, the essential oils. So, and it really does change everything, like that. You know? Yeah. Totally.
0: All right. Well, thanks for that. And uh, people, go check out Justin's stuff and, you know, support the podcast if you want to. And I'm just going to hang up, call you right back.
1: Okay, cool. I'll talk to you in a minute. Thanks, dude.
0: All right. Bye.